because Wilderness Trail is making an investment in whiskey. Mm. No. no. A podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I'm Gold Eagle Jake. And tonight we are talking about whiskey as an investment. Is whiskey a good investment? That is the topic. That's the question. Um, AKA whiskey stonks or no whiskey and stonks? And let's, let's be clear here. We're not talking about buying and flipping into the secondary market. We're no. talking about long-term uh, buying and holding whiskey as purely as an investment. Yeah, we're not talking about being an asshole. No. <laughs> and this one might get interesting because this is something that I've wanted to talk about uh, for quite some time. Um, and I think it is something that is kind of not talked about enough, but everyone kind of thinks about it. And uh, there's probably some little debates here and there with people about the topic. Um, but mm -hmm. there's... There's for sure a lot of different point of views and perspectives and uh, predictions, really, because that's all it really is. And we're not mm -hmm. giving financial yeah. advice here. Have to throw no. that out there. Oh, we aren't for this. Nope. For the sake of YouTube, we are not giving financial advice. Please talk to a financial advisor if you want to invest in anything. <laughs> and <laughs> just and do opinion. it at your own discretion. <laughs> yeah. We're just drinking whiskey we're not, and talking. We are <laughs> yes. not fiduciaries. Yeah. No, we are not. In any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just dive into it. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So wh whiskey investing has been something that really started cropping up, I think, during COVID. Um, as like uh, what I guess you would well, consider a, becoming a legitimate form of investment. Yeah, I mean, um, we can even we can even back up a little bit um, to like the people who knew what Pappy was when it was just sitting on the shelf and the people that knew what yeah. antique collection was when it was just sitting on the shelf because clearly there's people that knew what that was because they were buying and stashing and um, mm -hmm. we, we told the story about how someone came in and bought us out of everything we had on the shelf in like early 2000s. Um, but yes, like COVID kind of sparked that because um, everyone was at home. Everyone was drinking whiskeys. Everyone had plenty of time to go on the Internet. Um, and that's when the secondary market just kind of boomed. And there was legitimate conversations about whiskey being uh, a solid, solid investment. That, that's also when, uh, like, I don't, I don't know how to put it other than like portfolios. <laughs> of whiskey investment started being created by like actual investment firms um, and started cropping up more and more. Um, we're like, now I get hit by an advertisement for whiskey investment, like every day <laughs> in one, one form or another somewhere. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's definitely something that's increasing in commonality. Um, and uh seems to not be slowing down. Um, but we want to get into the debate on whether or not it's a good idea. <laughs> so Jake, we know that you're pro. 
So let's hear the pro argument. I mean, there's really, I can talk for days about this on why it's such a good investment. I mean, look at, we look at wine. Wine has been around forever and more people around the world. I mean, whiskey, bourbon specifically is booming right now in the U.S. and is just starting to catch on in other parts of the world. Wine has always been around everywhere. And if you look at the history of wine, wine's a phenomenal investment. There's tons of $15, $20 bottles of wine um, 20, 30 years ago that are selling for thousands and thousands of dollars online in auctions. And wine is, in my opinion, a much riskier investment because you have the potential of opening the bottle and it being completely terrible. It can taste like vinegar once you open it up. And whiskey, on the other hand, uh, has much less variables for that whiskey to go bad by the time you're ready to drink it. So that's that's just kind of like the main point of view. Um, but uh, like I said, like I can I can keep talking about this all day. Like I no keep yeah. I just think there's like value is never going to go down. The price is never going to go down. The price of whiskey is only going to go up. And I'm not saying any bottle is a good investment. Um, I think smaller distilleries and like all these craft distilleries that are popping up are kind of like penny stocks when it comes to investing. Um, there's probably a very small percentage that have the opportunity to become like the next Pappy Van Winkle, um, where you'll get 20, 30, 40, 50 times your initial purchase price of that bottle. Um, but I think a lot of the big distilleries, because they're priced so reasonably right now, um, you fast forward 10, 20, 30 years from now, um, you know, I mean, we, we look, we look back. So wild Turkey, for example, like people pay 10 times the price for wild Turkey 101 that was distilled 20 years ago. And people always say they don't make them like they used to just your standard mm -hmm. off the, off the shelf bourbon. And I think 20 years from now, we're going to look back on what we had today and say, yeah, it's definitely not as good as what I remember. Or here's a bottle from 2023. Let's taste it next to this bottle from 2053. Now that we're making everything on computers um, and compare the two and just see the difference in taste. I mean, it's we I think we can all agree that 20 years ago, Wild Turkey 101 or any of the big brands tasted a lot better than it does today. You know, and I don't know. What do you what do you have to say about that? Good Dan? points. What do you have points. to like? Come on, the <laughs> near. So, the, the the counterpoint I have to all of that, and the reason why I'm not as big into it is, yeah, did things taste different twenty years ago? Yeah, but are there still really good damn whiskeys out there now that I want to drink nonstop all the time? Yeah. Is there going to be more because there's so many distilleries popping up and so many distilleries getting bigger and getting better and better stuff out? It's, I can see a couple, like a bottle here or two uh, to hold on to for a long time and try it down the road and see how things change. But I just think that right now with as much stuff as that's out there and as much good stuff and great stuff that you can find reasonably priced, does it really matter if it tastes different in 20 years when you're going to have some distillery that hasn't even started making their first barrel yet, putting out stuff that tastes really, really good. And I enjoy drinking on a nightly basis from now. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any, I, I, I like the whiskey story. I like the sentimentality of whiskey. 
Um, but I just don't see having the investment in consumables, uh, personal, personal investment in consumables. Um, when there's so much stuff out there right now that tastes so dangerous. So yeah, so I, I think that's a good point on how other distilleries are going to be popping up and we're going to be tasting some of their stuff. Um, but I would say to that, that, uh, I like your, I don't think any whiskey that you purchase, you're going to get less for in the future. If you were to save it sealed, you're and the value is not going to go down, you know, right. Like the that, value that, at worst case scenario will yeah. stay the same. Inflation will kick in. Prices will go up on other things. Maybe that distillery goes out of business and then you find someone who craves that and will pay whatever for it. Um, or maybe that distillery rises to the top and then you have a bottle from their first early years that, you know, the value of that's going to go way up. I think there's just way too much upside compared to the downside and the downside is that the bottle maintains its value and doesn't increase. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Um, I I see the merits on both sides of this argument, and like uh, I get Dan's point that, um, you know, there's just so much availability. The market is so massive that. Uh, <sighs> competition is so high that it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going to take off. I mean, I guess that's like kind of the case with any kind of investment, but um, on the pro side, um, I think the, the bigger um, opportunity isn't in American whiskey. It's actually in scotch. Um, and the only reason I say that is because scotch is so like has such um, like demonstrable appreciation. So uh, based on age that it's like easily predictable, <laughs> whereas like American whiskey is not and usually can't age to the same extent that scotch can and still produce like a quality product. So I, th I agree up until this point, but I think that's because American whiskey hasn't bourbon hasn't like boomed in other countries yet. Other countries know about bourbon and they're into bourbon. And there's a reason why like Blanton's has all these Japanese edition, um, you know, all these mm -hmm. different editions that only get exported. Wild Turkey has a 13-year 101 that only gets exported. Um, so, like, they kind of know. Jack Bonded was Jack overseas Bonded was over, before yeah, we exactly, got it. Until they approved the 700-milliliter <laughs> thing, that was only overseas. Um, so, and, and all these American distilleries, the big ones especially, have something that's really, you know, taken off overseas that isn't available in the U.S. So, like, they're just starting to kind of get into it. And I think as soon as that booms, like it has in the U.S. and other countries, bourbon has the potential to be the next scotch. I'm not saying it's going to overtake so, it or replace it, but I think a mm -hmm. lot of like scotch drinkers, whiskey drinkers in general that are in other countries are going to start to get into bourbon a little bit. And that's only going to help the expansion and the boom of bourbon and it kind of just goes back to, all right, well, I have this bottle of Maker's Mark from 2023 
maker's mark is not going to go away in 20 or 30 years. So do you think someone would pay the retail price for a 2023 bottle of maker's mark 30 years from now? Maker's Mark's probably going to be at like what, $50, $60 a bottle. They're going to pay that for a bottle mm -hmm. 30 years ago. And I bet you they're going to pay more to be able to get something that they can't get at that time period and compare it. Yeah. So I, that was actually a point I was going to argue was the growing American whiskey market globally. Um, because I think it's it definitely is something that's growing rapidly, and it is uh, the demand is definitely there. Um, my biggest hesitation in like going a hundred percent in on yes, whiskey is a good investment is just the amount of production capacity that's going to explode in like the next ten years. Um, I just think the market's going to get so flooded that a lot of whiskey is going to become almost worthless. But see, that's when because there's just going to be so that's, much. Yes, a lot of it. Like if you're if we're talking about the small craft distilleries, a lot of that will probably be worthless ten years from now. That's what that's what kind of why I compared like the craft distilleries to like penny stocks because a couple of them mm -hmm. are going to blow up and be really big. And then if you have a bottle of one of their first releases, people are going to pay whatever you want for it. Um, so I'm not saying go out there mm -hmm. and buy all these small craft distilleries, but a more safe investment would be from a bigger distillery, just an average product off the shelf. Um, something that they're going to keep producing for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And now you have something to compare it to, in the future and see like so i i think actually the opposite would be true like like you you mentioned you know the guys that like bought you out of pappy mm -hmm. on uh on christmas so if i'm sitting on 30 bottles of pappy and let's let's say they release like i don't know a thousand bottles of pappy per year that's mm -hmm. not the case but Let's just let's just give make a nice even number, uh, and to make it even easier on myself, let's say I have a hundred bottles of Pappy, so I can do the. Okay, running. the guy that's got his MBA is dumbing things down to a hundred. Can we just can we just throw that out there again? Talking shit about his MBA and dumbing things down to a hundred bottles. Okay, continue, Jake. Let's just wanted to throw so, that disclaimer out there. So if Buffalo Trace follows through on their expansion which they they will um because they're already producing and that goes up to two thousand bottles of pappy release per year and my hundred is still only a hundred bottles out of two thousand that's ah. naturally gonna de no decrease the value mm -hmm. of my bottles. No, I think I think uh I think that's where you're wrong. I think people are gonna start to pay attention to the vintage and when it was distilled, when it was bottled. And just like wine, you know, you have good vintages and you have bad vintages. And uh, with wine, again, it's a little more variable because some things age nice, some things don't, but whiskey just stays the same in the bottle. So when you know you have a really good vintage, um, you know, it's gonna stay good forever. And Buffalo Trace was actually an example that I would think is not a good investment 
because they already have such a big secondary market. And when they do start producing more, I do think their prices are going to come down. But if you have a bottle of Pappy right now, um, it's probably a Stitzel Weller bottle and they don't, you know, you can't get that anymore. That's that vintage is never going to go down in value because now it's all being distilled at Buffalo Trace. And although it's the same recipe, they don't make them like they used to. It tastes much different than how they're coming out right now. And that the same goes with like all the other Buffalo Trace items, Eagle Rare, E.H. Taylor, um, Stag, Junior, you know, like the, the items that have a little bit of a secondary but aren't ridiculous, like Pappy, um, like those are probably a bad investment because they are mass producing those now. So in 10 years, those are going to be mm -hmm. everywhere um, and they might hold a little value from today because there wasn't much bottled in this year and probably the next couple of years to come. Um, but uh, they're not going to draw as much hype when they're sitting on the shelves in every liquor store in the country. Mm -hmm. You know, right. <clears throat> like my, my bet would be again, back to like the maker's mark, back to the wild Turkey, back to heaven Hill, which has six year bourbon sitting on the shelf at $20. We're not going to, we're probably not going to mm -hmm. see that 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Right. My uh, kind of feeding off some of your topics there, Jake, um, on on other reasons why I have this as something. These are more personal for why I don't think they're good investments. And that's one reason is because I have zero willpower. Oh, yeah, I mean, and if I have <laughs> a bunch of these really good bottles of whiskey sitting in my shelf uh, that I'm trying to save for 20 to 30 years. Willpower aside. Come uh, on. If I. If I'm buying really good whiskey, God damn it, I'm drinking that really good whiskey. I'm not saving that for anybody else. Like, I want the good whiskey because it's a good whiskey. Second thing, when I look at an investment, is how much stress does or how much un, how much does that discomfort me of doing something? And I can tell you, after moving just seventy bottles from my last house to this house, chances are, if you're holding on to stuff for 20, 30 years, you're going to move at least once. And if you're sitting on a crap ton of stuff, it is a pain in the ass to move. <laughs> you got to add that into the cost of the investment because now you're having to move this shit everywhere with you. Um, and again, I just don't have willpower because I'm going to move it. I'm like, well, shit, I just moved into this house. I have this bottle of whiskey that I think might be worth so much, but I know it's really damn good. I'm going to crack this for my move-in day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So one Go of the ahead. things I've been... I've been so one of the things I've kind of been doing to hedge my bet on some of the stuff that I I think is worthwhile is actually getting signed bottles. So like I got this one at Gold Eagle from Bardstown. That's uh, it's the master distiller that signed all yeah. this, correct? Mm -hmm. And then I've got the bottle of two XO signed by Dixon Deadman, which is pretty freaking okay. cool and even if that you even know, if that um, bottle wasn't signed that's a damn good investment how is that not dixon dixon deadman's because right, that's a limited release one he's time already blend. proved himself he like, knows what he's doing when it comes to blending and creating whiskey and mm -hmm. he's coming he's, he said he's going to come out with two blends a year okay 10 years from now if you have 20 bottles one of each blend that he created and you go to sell that as a set 
you're going to make a hell of a lot more than what you paid for those bottles. And yeah, worst like- case scenario, absolute worst case scenario, you might get what you paid. And even worse than that, you might be able to drink what you bought. So like, right. there's no losing. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no losing <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. So that, that's where I think the upside really exists are in um that there's extremely just no limited downside. releases or yeah no i for sure but i i think if you're gonna if you're looking to like maximize your investment in whiskey i think limited releases but like that like uh okay and this this also comes like like stag stag or something like that is a limited release, but it's not going to be your money maker. Like your money maker is going to be something like that, like the two XO. That's a every single time it's a special, unique release that you'll never be able to get again, or even like I was, barrel. Well, and I was going to talk like, about single you, you barrel know, picks um, too. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah another another good option like you, you can already see single barrel picks going for much higher than what they retailed for if there's something particularly special about them yeah and you see sir you see like the same brand um same age all the stats are the same different single barrel picks going for a lot more than others mm-hmm. and remember single barrels are first picked by the distiller because they're so good that they can't be blended. They need to stand out on their own. And then they're selected by a store or a group. Um, so, I, I mean, that's, in my opinion, a pretty safe investment is different single barrel picks. And again, worst case scenario, you, you'll get what you paid for it. Or you can just enjoy a really good whiskey. And something that you probably would pay more for whenever you decide to enjoy it because inflation and and this is coming from Mm -hmm. a liquor store owner um literally every month we get a a packet of stuff that's going up in price like uh tens 20 30 pages (laughs) worth of lists of items that are going up in price every single month and most of it is like a dollar a bottle, 50 cents a bottle. Um, but when when it happens every month over the course of 30 years, it adds up to be a lot. And naturally with inflation, everything's going to go up in price. Nothing's going to decrease. You're not going to find Maker's Mark cheaper on the shelf at any time in the future than you are right now. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I would say that's, anti against the single barrel jake is normal single barrel pick you're getting 180 200 bottles for us for a single barrel pick Mm -hmm. um the market's going to be very limited for that because there's only a couple hundred bottles out there and most people are buying them to drink them so if you're saving them you have a you have a limited market of people that are looking for that and on top of that, like, just I'll, I'll I'll say like always I'll say a lot of really good things about Gold Eagle. Every time like you guys have a barrel pick, it's like holy shit, this is a great barrel pick. And then like the next barrel pick comes out, like holy shit, this is a great barrel pick. And it's like okay, would I spend three times more for this barrel pick of Old Forester that I missed twenty some barrel picks ago? 
or should I get the new Knob Creek barrel pick for retail price right now? I'm going to go with the new Knob Creek, but that's me. I'm well, Dan, this is probably the um, one time that I agree with it's... you and I smiled at you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the one downside with, with barrel picks is it's such a small market. And so let's say there's, to make things easy, let's say there's 173 bottles uh, that come out in <laughs> barrel pick, um, and you get one. It, like uh, you have, let's say you have it, you drink it, you really want another one. Well, hopefully the 172 other people didn't open theirs and drink it, and hopefully someone saved it for you to get one and pay extra for, or just wait for another really damn good barrel pick to so come out. Um, just to just to piggyback on that, yes, there's going to be more and more barrel picks. Like we'll never we'll never stop doing barrel picks. And if you know us, you know we're very picky. So if if we put something out, it's something that we truly believe in and really, really, really love in order to pick it and put our name on it. Um, but I'm kind of more more talking about. So like, let's use Old Forester as an example. Um, the the picks already kind of have like a hype and a following and we're going to continue to do old forester picks um, as we go forward. But uh, you know, what if 10 years from now you had a collection of one of every gold Eagle old forester picks and let's say gold Eagle kind of built up a name and reputation to be trustworthy and known as like, a good picker when it comes to single barrels. Um, you don't think people are going to pay an arm and a leg for a 10-year vertical of all the different Gold Eagle single barrel, Old Forester barrel, barrel proof picks? Well, I was going to say Dan's going to eat his words when I go and sell the uh, entire collection of the uh, Jepsons. That's Avengers another example single of, barrel picks. of great investment. I mean... You're literally buying the same whiskey that's on the shelf for triple the price now with other brands. And as soon as people recognize Jepsons as, oh, wow, they have MGP that's seven and eight years and it's 45 bucks. Uh, boom. There goes Jepsons. Yeah, my, my thought on, on what you're talking about is I, I, there's going to be people, people that do that, but it's going to be not saying that the gold Eagle market's small by any means. It's not what I'm saying here. It's just, if you have people that are collecting every single one of the 200 bottles that come out from a barrel pick release, there's very few people that are probably, no, there are very that. few. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and it's just such a, but it's such a limited market to try and to sell into, which makes it difficult so, to move. And, and, and I guess using that as another reason why I'm using that as an example. Well, that's what yeah, creates so the scarcity. A lot, of, a lot of people will open it and props to those people. Um, you know, you, Back to what you said, like, if you have something, you're going to drink it, you're going to enjoy it, like, drink it and enjoy it. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Old Forester isn't the best example, because, like, when I think of investment whiskey, I'm, I'm, picks are amazing, but I'm also just talking about, like, your, like, standard Maker's Mark, your standard Jim Beam, like, there's just the everyday stuff that's sitting on the shelf right now, you know, what's that going to be priced at 30 mm -hmm. years from now? And are people going to be talking about how it tasted so much better 30 years ago, like how they are today? People swear by all these big brands, mm -hmm. how much better they were 30 years ago. And 
you know, Dusty's go for so much because they just don't make them how they used to make them. But anyway, back. So in 30, in 30 years, we'll all be in our mid to late 60s. And so basically what you're saying is we're going to be crotchety old men saying, oh, God damn it, I missed the days when Buffalo Trace only had one 60-foot column still. Yeah, so man, that, that's what everyone talks about now with Wild Turkey. So when I was uh, – when I was, I went to a private tasting with Dixon Deadman, and he was talking about um, – he gets this question all the time. Like, what, nice why, does, why does Wild Turkey taste so much better – in the 1980s and the 1990s and his answer to that was well um you know I've, I've actually talked to jimmy russell about this and he said because back in those days you had to sprint up a ladder flip a lever sprint down hit another lever you know you it was all hands-on when you were distilling and now most of these distilleries are just sitting mm -hmm. behind a computer pressing buttons and it's just not the same. You don't have the same feel. You don't have the same touch. A lot of this stuff is just, it's just changing. And we know with whiskey, every, yeah, the tiny, the tiny like, little variables make a, a huge difference. You can, yeah. you can have the same exact whiskey, the same exact barrel sitting right next to each other and they're going to taste different for whatever reason. But just the tiny little touches and variables affect the taste. And, and this is, this is again, supporting like the big brands with their everyday stuff, just going up in value over time. And I think that's more relatable to like the wine industry, because you look at the big wineries and a lot of their 1990s and early 2000s stuff sells for 10 times the price of what it, their stuff sells for now. And the stuff now is even, you know, marked up two or three times price of what it was back in the 90s if you're still following with me so like inflation will always go up for the everyday yeah. stuff but then to be able to get something that you can't get today that was made 10 20 30 years ago i think is irreplaceable yeah me and my buddy uh and this is when we were in college but we were hanging out at his parents house and uh his dad had a bottle of jim beam from the 80s that was unopened um so we asked him if we could open it. Right. He was like, ah, I don't give a shit. So it, it, we opened it and drank some and like, it tasted like knob Creek. Like it was like, I'm really sure it good. was much older than um, the age statement. It was anyway, just normal that Jim was Beam. on the bottle. And it's probably a yeah. lot older than what it is today. So like, I, I, yeah, it's probably the same across the board. Um, you know, and that's why, like you said, the, the dusties and the older bottles are going for so much. Um, because there, I think there is a like perceivable it's, it's, difference. It's supply and demand. I think it goes, and again, relating to like the single barrel thing, half the people that buy the single barrel that are limit one, half of them are going to drink it right away. And the, you know, a quarter of them are probably going to wait for a special occasion and then open it. And then you have a quarter of people who are just kind of sitting on it and letting it rest there. And the people that drank it and the hype that kind of goes with a lot of these single barrel picks and bourbon as a whole um, kind of sets in and FOMO kind of sets in. And then people will seek it out and they have extra income. They don't care what they have to pay, you know. But I got a Daniel. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I got another story, but I was going to I was going to say, what if we're thinking about this in the wrong way? And maybe this is the worst time to buy bourbon investment. But, so let's say the 80s and 90s were 
great because everything was so hands-on. Now we're in the age of computers where everything's computerized. What happens in 10 years when ChatGPT makes all the whiskey and they have all that variance in it? And maybe that's what it's going to look back and wish that it was a distiller behind a computer and not ChatGPT. Well, what or what if it's better and they're like, God, I wish ChatGPT would have made this But there's still something to be said about (laughs) tasting like a vintage vertical of spirits. And I think... Again, I think more people who are nerdy about this, like we are, are going to get into the whole, the vintage and what year it was distilled and what year it was bottled. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a huge fan of Peerless, for example, wouldn't you want to try one of their first batches, one of their, you know, five-year batches, one of their 10-year batches, and one of their 20-year batches all in a flight? Like that's that's cooler right, to me than I trying think that's four the value different of, um, in a flight. Yeah, I think that's the the value of uh, distilleries like Whiskey Acres and Bacta and others that are actually putting the year mm-hmm. of distillation or bottling on the bottles, so that you can actually build. Yeah, those verticals and and know exactly when they're from and and yes. be able to compare. So Castle you know, and Key easily. was another example because they're doing everything in batches. Yes, and yep. you know, twenty twenty one batch one, twenty twenty one batch two, twenty twenty two one two three, whatever. Um, you know, if you if you're someone that is holding on to every single batch, one sealed bottle of every single batch that Castle and Key has put out. I, I think right now you can go sell that vertical for a ton more than what you paid. And if we fast forward 10 years and you have some of the first batches that Castle and Key put out, even though now we're, we all agree that it's not as good as what it's going to be five years from now, once they tweak a few things and their stuff gets a little bit older, um, you know, the demand is still going to be there for some of their first editions that they put out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got definitely. another story. So about a week ago, I had a customer come in the store and tell me how he was going through his bourbon collection. And he this is a guy that like just had a couple kids. So he's like, I haven't really been drinking too much, just been focusing on the family and the kids. And I realized out of nowhere that I just filled up this closet full of bourbon and i don't know when or how i'm gonna drink it all um so yeah i don't know anything about um i'm sure a lot of the (laughs) listeners and i know a lot of our customers probably have this issue um but he was like you know i I just kind of did the math and i looked at all the bourbon that i had and it would take me more than a lifetime to drink it all so i took about 45 bottles brought it to an auction house dropped them off and collected a ten thousand dollar check which is an average of like 210 ish dollars per bottle that he threw in there i mean there's no Mm -hmm. way he paid 200 for each of those bottles i bet you a good half of them were under 50 bucks and i don't know what he had and he said it was nothing crazy it wasn't like you know a whole collection worth of pappy and whatnot but um, it was just 45 bottles that he mm-hmm. had had and dropped off. And I don't know. I, 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 
No, 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 no. Actually, I bring that up because I bring that up because I want your guys' opinion on that. I mean, obviously, like when this customer comes in in the future and asks for things, like I'm gonna be very hesitant to <laughs> sell them anything. But um, yeah, you yeah. know, it's. Just, I think it's just interesting. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I get it right like i'm clearly in that situation (laughs) where i'm never gonna be able to drink through this but that's like to me um the vast majority i would say like probably like 80 percent of what i have is nothing particularly special like it's all like standard release stuff um that's not true or like that's not true mildly well, it's like most of your special releases. It's not I'm like anything half, that like I'm looking at I like think a third year collection like right now, and it's for. all like picks or one off releases. <laughs> and so I, I think what I think what you're trying to say here is you don't have like Pappy, you don't have antique collection, you don't have a ton of Parker's no, heritage. No. And yeah. props to you because I know like you open a lot of your special bottles and enjoy them, um, but most yeah. of your like I, Most, I'm looking. Uh, like I, I try and get people to try stuff that I know that they'll probably yeah, never. I mean, be and able most of your collection is like you know, um, is really good shit, and I admire it, and I wish it was my own collection. Um, even though I have had access <laughs> to this stuff, um, but it's it's, it's <laughs> mostly like one-off single barrels or uh, you know vintage releases. I'm looking at mm-hmm. a bunch of Castle and Key and a bunch of Old Elk up there. And all that stuff is going to change. You're not yeah. going to find the same whiskey in that bottle even three years from now. Right. And that's my, my mindset has shifted a lot since I first started collecting too. Um, it's like, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, if I wanted, uh, Oh, you know, a Weller special reserve, I would have been like, absolutely. Like every single time. Um, but now I would much rather take a single barrel that I like had no nothing about over almost yeah. any Weller. Um, or even like an Eagle rare. Or I mean, lands like I, I kind of couldn't care less about a lot of the Buffalo. Trace I, I, stuff I think more, um, I'm much more interested the Buffalo in Buffalo trace stuff is kind of, that are just kind of different. I think unique, the stuff that know? already has a secondary market is not really worth going after and trying to buy as an investment. Yeah. My, no. Again, like, no, if you really want to know the things that I am actually stashing in my bunker, it's like normal maker's mark, normal wild turkey, um, normal Heaven Hill stuff, like Fighting Cock is a $20 six-year Heaven Hill bourbon on the shelf, which brings up another point. Um, the Heaven Hill bottle and bond, which used to be a six-year, only available mm-hmm. in Kentucky for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. They just raised it up to a seven-year, and now it's $60, and I think it has like even a secondary above yet, above that. You know, like that's just yeah. Yeah, if it is, it's not. Mo- I don't think it's much higher on the secondary but, market. Yeah, but, but I think it is. Either higher. way, people still this, chase it out. Uh, people still buy it as soon as it hits a store. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. this one. And if you yeah. if you're holding on, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this go for over yeah, 100 there. bucks. Mm-hmm. If you're holding on really? to the $20 bottle, yeah. which you could still buy two years ago in Kentucky, those are going for over $100 for a six-year Heaven Hill, all yeah. because they discontinued it, changed it to a seven-year. They raised the price up three times just mm-hmm. so that they could make the money and eliminate the secondary, but they actually kind of brought back the secondary and the hype, which... It's good for them because people are still going to pay yeah. 60 bucks for it. And it kind of built up their name yeah. and reputation mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I can like just kind of off on a tangent on that Heaven Hills thing. Like I can see people being upset when it used to be $20 for one year less. But when you look at the market today, if you said there's a good Heaven Hill seven year bib out there for 60 bucks, people aren't going to bat an eye at that because there's so much other stuff that comes out that's younger that's got an 80 or $90 price tag on it. And I would take the Heaven Hill mm-hmm. just as much as some of the other ones I'm thinking of. Yeah. It's all about context, though. If you used to be able to get it for 20 you're going to be pissed if you and have to pay well, 60 for it. People still are. People are still <laughs> yeah. buying it all up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's like when something speaks for itself, you know, it's, uh, I think it's justifiable. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, I, the same thing's true about the McKenna 10, right? Like it, it was, it was dirt cheap before it won, you know, like a double gold or whatever it, Fred, Fred Minnick, he did, it, yeah. And Fred, Fred Minnick, you know, pumped it up and then all it shot up to like 75 bucks, like overnight. So, and you can't get it, it probably yeah, goes for I mean, more um, on the secondary market, but you can't get it, yeah. You know, yeah. So, that's, I mean, see, but so that that kind of goes back to like craftier, smaller distilleries are kind of like penny stocks, like you're 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 taking a gamble at something right. shooting up that high in value. I'm not saying buy any bottle and it's going to 10 times in price. Like that's going to take a little bit of research, a little bit of Intel and a little bit of uh, just kind of like gut feeling to really nail that. But I'm, I'm talking more of just like, is it a safe investment? I think absolutely. Because I think prices will not go down. Inflation will always creep up on you. It'll always increase. Um, and then again, when we go back to like the vintages and different years, and there's only so much brands that are going to come out before they start imploding and going away. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I'd rather drink a maker's mark, you know, flight from different years produced and taste the differences there, um, than just have five random bourbons in a flight. I think, because the consumer is getting more educated mm-hmm. and their palates are developing a little bit more, like people just want more, like there's gotta be more to it. Um, and I think vintages kind of bring in that yeah. factor. And again, going back to Bacta, focusing on vintages, going back to whiskey acres, putting the year on the bottle on castle and key, um, releasing one or two batches a year, two XO release, releasing two batches a year. I think people are going to get more excited over comparing verticals from the same brand to see how the whiskey changed over the years um, to evaluate a brand versus what whiskey's better, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. So, okay, well, do we, do we want to talk about what we're drinking real quick since this is a whiskey sure. podcast? <laughs> what are you going to say, Dan? Overall, what? What are you drinking, Jake? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I was, I was going to say that we're, we're inconclusive on if whiskey is a good investment or not. And then I was going to do a fancy little thing of uh, be like an actual content creator and be like, in the comment section below, let us know if you think Gold Eagle Jake is wrong, and let us know if you think Dan is right. I'm, this is so. There this, is, this is yeah, this is probably one freezing. episode where I'm I'm very interested to see what people hear. Um, it's a topic that I I kind of want to debate and discuss more and more. Um, and it's I can't wait to prove you wrong, Dan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what are what are we drinking? Well, so before we. Uh... Well, before we move on, I would I will say that if you have the the money laying around, if you've got ten or fifteen grand just sitting and you want to invest in something, just buy a barrel. Go to a distillery, taste samples, and buy a barrel. Because then you can always auction that entire barrel off at some point in the future if you don't you know, want to hold on to it after it's bottled or even if it's still still in the barrel, you know, um, but that if, that's kind of an interesting alternative to. Yeah, it is. And that's something we maybe should have talked about a little bit more on this episode. Um, but uh, I've listened to a few podcasts with distillers and distilleries where they've talked about how buying a barrel is a no brainer because literally it can't go down in value. Someone will pay what you paid for it mm-hmm. if you're holding on to it for a couple years. It doesn't matter how it tastes. Someone will pay what you originally paid for it. And that's kind of how I got the idea mm-hmm. of someone will pay for that Maker's Mark bottle. That's just a standard Maker's Mark off the shelf. You'll get your money back 10 years from now, minimum, um, if not you know, twice as much. Um, but yes, barrels of whiskey typically will never decrease in value because um, there's there's so many distilleries starting up and as as distilleries uh, develop and there's more distilleries starting up, aged whiskey becomes less and less and less and people are seeking out that age statement. Um, and also for blending, even if your whiskey isn't the best, when it hits 12, 14 years, some of that whiskey turns a little bit for the worse. Um, it can do great in a blend. Add a little bit of low oak right. and layers that you're kind of lacking with your original product. Yep. My, my counterpoint to that would be if you have ten to fifteen thousand dollars laying around, put it in a six month CD at five percent, and you're only going to gain five hundred dollars. Oh, damn! damn. <laughs> but but so like the wine the wine industry has proven to outpace the you know all like all the big investments like every you know the S&P 500 the wine industry has outpaced for the last 80 years which is known as like the safest spot to put your money in yeah like <laughs> yeah damn I, talking yeah, about Dan. putting your money in bonds and mutual funds jesus christ you don't <laughs> but but Jake, did you also start the episode off saying that it wine yes mm-hmm. but that's what i'm saying like i'm not saying to invest in wine but i'm just saying wine has proven 
to be a, a phenomenal investment, <laughs> even though like 10% of wine is going to go bad and turn into vinegar. That's not going to happen with whiskey unless you're storing the bottles upside down and the yeah, cork we, disintegrates. We did, uh... That's not going to happen with whiskey. <laughs> well, we did that. We did that episode about the the shipwreck. Yeah, there's a bunch of barrels of whiskey at the bottom of uh, one of the Great Lakes, and those are all drinkable whiskey. You know what? You know what? That you know you're right. That is a great <clears throat> investment. So if you have the money laying around, buy a Go ship, get a fill shipwreck. it with whiskey, sink it. <laughs> And then just let it sit for about 300 years. And then you have a really good investment minus the yeah. cost of the boat. So yeah. perfect. We may, you know what guys, Jake's right. Perfect investment. Let's do it. Let's buy a ship guys, guys, let's buy a ship. All right. If you buy the ship, I'll buy the whiskey. <laughs> yeah. So what, anyways, right. what are we drinking? What did you, someone, someone get this back on the rails, please. For heaven's sake. We're on the rail, man. All right. I'll go first. Uh, so I'm, since we're we're talking about uh, investment grade whiskey, uh, I'm drinking Scotch. I'm drinking the Glenrothes 18, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's uh, sherry finished. Um, like I said, 18 years old. Um, it's got got great. Uh, single malt and uh sherry flavor it's really well balanced is it pd um i don't know if no it is not uh, space it's a, yeah it's space side um it's, it's excellent um i'd highly recommend it if you can find it i don't know if you can find it anymore the best part about that investment jake was it was at the same tasting table as mckellen 18 hmm. it was yeah, way better than half the price <laughs> Yeah, the McKellen 18. <laughs> another another great garbage. investment, McKellen. <laughs> that's like the pinnacle of investments with whiskey though because yes, that's that's never going to go down. That's like that's like yeah, you know you're not going to you're not going to lose any money buying any McKellen. That goes there will there will always be some dumbass that, that goes up 20% every year no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking. I don't. I don't say bottles. If I have a bottle, I'm opening it and drinking it because I'm a lush. Um, I keep my collection to a point where if I had to drink it before I died, I could finish it off. Um, so that's where my collection's at. So we don't do any investment savings here. I am drinking a Stag Junior. So Junior, Peter. so two or three years old. Um, this is a 65.55 percent alcohol Stag. It's good. It's good. Could I could I take one of my stag bottles because I have another bottle I haven't opened and sell it and make a lot of money on it? I could, but you know what? I'm going to drink it because it's good whiskey, and that makes me happier than selling it for a little good bit. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Good for you. And 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 to go back to what we said <laughs> earlier, that that wasn't the whole point of this podcast. It's it's not yeah, it's no, not I, about right, buying no. and flipping. It's not about the secondary. We're we're trying to talk about like long term stuff to buy and hold and. Um, if if you want to see my my collection, my bottles that I'm saving, it's like ninety percent stuff that we have sitting on the shelf right now. Um, just stuff that I kind of think is gonna increase and stuff that's safe. 
Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot of like the other 10% would probably be like the penny stocks that we talked about, just the smaller brands that I think have the potential to kind of explode and stuff that people are going to be looking for in the future. Um, but I am drinking a Wilderness Trail store pick, um, five-year-old, $55 on the shelf for a barrel-proof weeded bourbon single barrel. Um, phenomenal. If you ask me, I can drink these picks all day long from Wilderness Trail. They're one of four distillers that do sweet mash. Um, and I think a lot of their five-year stuff outshines their eight-year, nine-year stuff that I have had from them. Um, so I think uh, another good example why age doesn't necessarily mean better, um, but it's also kind of a younger distillery that just got bought. And I think some of their early stuff will go on to be sought after 10, 15 years down the road. Um, cause who knows, as soon as a big conglomerate like Campari steps in, um, that could completely change what Wilderness Trail is doing as far as single barrels and aging. Um, so this, this kind of stuff mm -hmm. might be has the potential to be completely eliminated um, from their portfolio as time goes on. Don't worry, guys. I'll sign some Whiskey Acres bottles for you for your collection. I'll, I'll take it. And, value yeah, I also got to point out this, this is you're, you're probably the only distiller <laughs> doesn't agree that whiskey is 100% a good investment. Not mold break. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what were we at the limestone branch mm -hmm. event last week? Um, uh, what was uh, the presenter's Fonte. name? Sorry, Stephen Fonte. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Fonte. Stephen Fonte uh, was saying that uh, signed whiskey bottles are actually by mm. law depreciated in value this is actually um, good yeah because mitch mcconnell wanted free bottles of whiskey <laughs> so he had people sign them for him so they'd well, be worth zero dollars yeah because when you <laughs> sign a bottle then they're it's you know you're technically what I, I forgot the wordage that he used but well the so the um you know, Congress people aren't allowed yeah. to accept gifts over a certain amount of money. And it's like a very small amount of money. Um, so what McConnell did was he changed the rules in the house so that, uh, or, uh, or in Congress that, uh, if someone signs a bottle of whiskey and gives it to you, it well, no longer holds its value. Cause it was, so people can just, Get, give him it was, bottles of signed whiskey. Yeah, it was, so that and I think it was zero dollars. <laughs> whoever than the signed it, it was kind of like a joke. Like he was like, "All right, you signed my bottle. Now it's worth a penny, or now it's worth nothing. Like nobody's gonna want it if you yeah. sign this bottle. So technically, I can accept this as a gift because you signed it because it's worth nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> And please sign it on the glass so I can just take my thumb and wipe off that Sharpie mark as soon as you leave. <laughs> but, All right. Any final thoughts? Buy as much whiskey as you have. Yeah, bad, bad investment. Don't do is, it. Is, spend all your money on whiskey. <laughs> as much as... <laughs> Yes, at, at, at Gold Eagle, only at Gold Eagle. You only find the collectible you have bottles. Storage, no, but Gold seriously, Eagle. like I, I legitimately believe whiskey is a great investment, and I think you can just the stuff that's sitting on the shelf, the everyday items from the big distilleries, 
safe investment. They're not going to go down in value. You'll get your money back or worst case scenario, you'll drink it um, and uh, save your save yourself some money because in the future that that same brand is going to go up in price. Inflation just happens. There's nothing we can do about it. Um, but yeah, and also smaller brands are kind of like penny stocks and I don't have too much advice for that except for pay attention to the distilleries that use the vintage and mark what year and what batch it is because I think a lot of those have the potential mm -hmm. to be collectible in the years to come. Yeah. Good summary. Nice. I, I say Dan invest whiskey arguments. into your... <laughs> I say invest whiskey into your stomach because that's where it fits the best. <laughs> Boom. Mike it got silent because nobody nice. agreed with you. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm still fairly undecided on this. Um, I... I do have a couple bottles saved and stashed away that I'm probably just going to hold on to and see what happens. But um, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm on Dan's ship. I just want to drink it. <laughs> but what we should have done was done the always sunny in Philadelphia board of what side of the fence you're on <laughs> yeah. and done the arguments. <laughs> we'll see what uh, we'll see what the comments have to say about this one. Yeah, so I think we know that comment, they're all in my favor. So comment on on uh, which which person you agree with, Dan or or Gold Eagle Jake, and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. Wait, wait to take a stand, other Jake, and just sit. Well, on we the said fence. he's mostly on your side, which I have I no clue gave why. My opinion, Esther. Mostly, I want full. I, want full I don't on want my one side. foot off the fence. I, I want, mean, actually, I don't care. I, want, I don't care. I'll buy all the whiskey and group. save it. <laughs> well if, if someone was if, if i had a certain amount of money and somebody said you have to invest this in something other than stocks i'd probably do whiskey hmm. i would probably go <laughs> land that's a farmer right there <laughs> yeah land's obviously a great investment but yeah all, all right, right guys yeah whiskey's better yeah. No. Again, we are not advice. financial advisors. Mm -hmm. Do not take anything that we say. With if, if you listen to this episode and at the end still think we are financial advisors, <laughs> then you have a lot of things. Yeah, that's wrong all on you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not on us at that point. <laughs> all right, let's plug our stuff. Yeah, Jake, where can people find uh, com. Your best investment opportunity awaits. <laughs> Um, follow us on Instagram at Gold Eagle Wine. Follow us on Facebook at Gold Eagle Spirits. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, come talk to me. If, if like seriously, if you're actually if you agree with me and you think whiskey is going to be a legitimate investment, um, actually meet with a couple people that agree with that, and uh, I kind of advise them here and there. So if you are one of those people who are curious and interested to talk and discuss more. Uh, my office doors are open. Swing by and uh, let's let's chat it up. But yeah, goldeaglewine.com. Uh, follow us on the socials to see what's coming in. And uh, that's where you can keep up with what we're doing. But you have to leave yes, a comment, leave a comment before Jake talks to mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Show these guys. 
(laughs) (laughs) So if you want to listen to us, you can watch us on Spotify and YouTube or listen to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can find us at Bourbon Matters on Instagram and Facebook and go to our website, uh, bourbonmatterspodcast.com. Email us bourbonmatters at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it, right? I covered everything. I think so. Good enough. All right, guys. This was fun. We should argue with each other more often. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers, boys. (laughs) Cheers.